What would we do, baby, without us? Shalala. Hello, and welcome to another very special episode of Alex P. Keaton is my friend. I'm your friend, Phil Vecchio, and on this episode, we'll be discussing Season 4, Episode 23 of Family Ties. This episode was titled, Once in Love with Elise, and it was originally aired on May 1st, 1986. And with me, as always, to discuss this episode is my very special co-host, Keith. Hey, Phil. How you doing? Pretty good. How are you? Good. I don't understand why it's once in love. I'm pretty sure he was really in love. According to IMDb, it's a play on words for a song title, which I didn't actually like copy it down. But there's a song title that's like "Once in Love with Amy" or something like that. that so they were oh, using. Oh, okay. A, that makes more sense then. There's a frame of reference now for that. Right. Because I okay. also wondered, and I thought that was weird, but someone pointed that out. So. Well, that makes sense. We skipped forward into May. Yeah. So of we just finished March, and we just blew through April. One episode after this. For the season. Oh, We're almost there. For the season. Well, we've got all kinds of special things coming up, as you know. Yes. Don't forget to read the book before uh, January. And I'm saying this for your benefit, but of course, mostly for the listener's benefit. If you want to read the uh, Family Ties novelization, or I guess it's just a TV tie-in, and it's called Alex Gets the Business. Is that correct? Yes. Alex Gets the Business. Uh, you can get it for, I think it's somewhere around 10 bucks or something like that on eBay. You can find a copy, 10 to 15. And uh, you should get it and read it with us because we're going to do a very special episode for that in January. I just went and grabbed the book because I'm like, wait a minute, now is that right? But yeah, it's 100% Alex Gets a Business. It's an original, all-new story based on the hit TV series. So novelization is not the correct word because there's, but it's a tie It's a TV tie-in. Not yet. Yeah. Maybe epi- episodation. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's not right. Hey, speaking of important announcements, I have an important announcement that you probably didn't even know about. What? So last week, and I honestly can't remember if this was in the recording or if we talked about this before or afterwards. But you were looking at our website. We were talking about how someone could go to visit us at alexbkeatonismyfriend.com. And you can listen to the show right there on the website and leave comments and send us some love over there. And you noticed that at the top of it, I don't even remember where it is on the website, but somewhere the headline said a Family Ties podcast hosted by Phil Vecchio. And there was no Keith. (laughs) Right. Oh, you updated it. You're on the website now. Yes. I'm official. Well, Phil, I I got some bad news. I just want to let you know that uh, next episode is my final. Oh, well, now it's going to be wrong for like three years again. So, (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. The funny part is, like, I had added you on certain parts, but there's so many different pages and things. So, like... On the iTunes description, you were already, it said, with Phil and Keith or something like that, you know. Oh, nice. But so, and then a couple other places on the website. So, I had to, like, dig around to figure out where it was even on the website that it didn't say you. I found it, but I did update some, just that I didn't get everything. Sure. And that's the one that you found. I was only busting your chops. But it's fixed now. You're on the website. Unless yeah. there's some other thing hidden somewhere that I didn't catch. But as far as I could see, you're on everything now. So, Well, I'm super honored. Thank you very <sighs> yes. much. So if you guys want to see Keith's name up in lights on your screen, 
Go to alexbkeatonismyfriend.com. And you can actually look at all the episodes. And I was just scrolling through the episodes, and I saw Art Lover. Oh, such a good episode. Nick. That was great. Not too long ago. Hard to believe that uh, just a a few short weeks ago, we had a two-parter clip show. That wasn't long ago, I know, but very interesting. Our first clip show of the show. Clip show of the show. Show to show. That's what I mean. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. sure, sure. (laughs) So that's an exciting thing there. And also, um, we are, like we said, we're coming up to the end of the season. We'll have our season finale coverage in our next episode. And we are going to, you know, we're going to do some special things, like we said. And I think what we're going to do then is just kind of start launching into the next season because we're not really lined up with vacation, but we're all going to be going off for Thanksgiving and then for Christmas and stuff. So we'll be hitting stuff in between here and there as we are available. Yes, definitely. Yeah, that's the plan. We've got a good rhythm, so we hate to mess it up, you know? That's right. That's right. Yeah. We'll see what we can do here. I'll try not well, to get sick again. <laughs> well, I've already done it twice. I don't know. You're just, uh, you know, you're only half as good as I am. Well, you know, or twice as bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, since we're both recording, I'm guessing neither one of us won the Powerball. No, no, did not. I'm not. Didn't even play. Oh, see, I did. I had two dollars in my pocket. And, did you? <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, oh, okay. I was getting gas, and I thought, well, it's six hundred million. I'll give it a whirl. Sorry to hear it didn't work out. That's okay. What would they do with all that money anyways? I'd still do this show even if I won however many millions. I would actually uh, get all the cast and fly them out here and yeah. I would pay them. If we paid them, they would totally do our show. Definitely. And we would like advertise like with real money instead of just little bits of Google advertising and Facebook advertising here and there. <laughs> yeah, Facebook boosting. and <laughs> Yeah, you know. I mean, the advertising budget is basically when I'm like, hey, Janelle. Think I could put twenty bucks in the podcast advertising this week? <laughs> cool. All right. And she's like, um, okay. Yeah, we, we could do that this week. That's cool. <laughs> oh, could you imagine if we hosted the show and we had all the cast members on every episode with us for the rest of the the seasons? I mean, with the Powerball money, you could afford to. So I yeah. think we could. Oh, that would be so awesome. <laughs> Man, I should have done it. You know, right? I spent two dollars on a raffle ticket this last week. Well, two raffle tickets because they were a dollar each at our kids. Uh, I don't know what they call it. It was like fall festival or something at their school. Oh yeah, I didn't win anything for that either. So oh. the stakes were a lot lower. <laughs> yeah, well, turns out two bucks will get you the ticket, or it'll get you a raffle ticket at your kid's school. Yeah, both of which are basically worthless pieces of paper now. So yes, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, I don't want to rub it in your face, Phil, but I did win four dollars. What? Yep, so my $2 turned into 4 They were giving out free burritos from the school cafeteria at this party, so... Oh, what? I didn't take any of those, because I'm not going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) No, thank you. (laughs) You know, you say that, but I I spend a lot of time on school campuses now, and, like, the food smells so good. They've really stepped up the game. It's not so much... The type of food. Because I actually enjoyed, I mean, like, pizza day at school. That was great. Right. You know, love that. And, you know, taco, I remember Taco Tuesdays. That was great, you know. But I don't do, I don't do potlucks. I can't do any kind of a potluck of any kind. Nothing. Really? Like a church potluck or work potluck. I cannot eat the food at a potluck. 
Is it just because there's too many hands that made it? Yep, and I don't know where those hands yeah. were, when they made it, or right before they made it. I can't. And I realize, like, you know, I go to a restaurant or whatever, and there's all kinds of hands handling it as well. But at least there's some sort of oversight. There's some kind of a, you know, health standard that they're supposed to meet. And I'm aware that, you know, probably it's not always 100% where it should be. But at least there's something. Right. Yeah. They're supposed to have a food handler's card and that kind of stuff. It's not just, you know, random people making stuff at home. Here was the turning point for me. When Janelle first started teaching, when we were first married 18 years ago, and they did like a school potluck, and I was, I came to the schools before we had kids, and I was helping out in Janelle's classroom, and she's like, okay, I'm going to go down to like the potluck, and I'll bring you back a plate of food, you know, and I was, I don't know, filing papers or whatever she had me doing there. So she brought me back a plate, and I was like, oh, that's pretty good, that's pretty good, and then I took a bite of, I want to say it was like a homemade enchilada or something along those lines, or like a taco casserole or whatever and there was just like some kind of pet fur dog hair cat hair oh. in it like mo- like more than one like multiple pieces of it and i'm like i can I, ugh, first of all spit it out yeah. and i'm like i can never i can never do this again no you have the worst luck when it comes to food i do and once it's messed up like i'm done forever right and you're 100 right i mean that's the right choice to never eat a potluck again yep. i can't do it I am not faulting you on this because that's ah, disgusting. Yeah. It was bad. And I, I'd already had some experiences like working in a church. Like I'd seen, you know, people bringing stuff in. But I just usually avoided the people who I was suspicious of their cooking, you know. But <laughs> I, that after that experience where I wasn't successfully able to avoid it, I, I'm done. I can never do it again. Yeah. No, you support them 100%, but just from yep. a distance. Yep. And if there's like a, you know, prepackaged cookie or something, I'll grab that. Someone brought a veggie plate. As long as I can get to it before too many people have pawed through it, I'll grab a couple pieces, you know. Right, right. Now, what about, so, I mean, like, if you're at the school and if it was made by the cafeteria staff, I mean, that's pretty safe, right? It's just like yeah, but then they have teachers and volunteer kids handing them out and stuff. Yeah, well, what if they're wrapped, though? I mean, like, somebody else who made it wraps it, and they put them in these trays, and then, you know, the kids are handing them out kind of thing. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Or, counterpoint, we could just go to Taco Bell afterwards for a few <laughs> dollars, and then I don't have to think about it. <laughs> okay, so I don't know if you know what a fanatic I am for Taco Bell. I love Taco Bell. Great. They have a couple of my all-time favorite dishes in the entire world. Well, one of them is the Enchirito. And so they had a contest earlier this month where you would vote every day to either bring back the Enchirito or bring back the Double Decker Taco. The Enchirito won, Phil, and I vote every single day. When is it? When is it coming back? November 17th. Oh, my gosh. That's exciting. November 17th. It's for a limited time, supposedly. But we'll see how that goes because the Mexican pizza came back for a limited time. Yeah, and it's still here. And then it went away again for like another month, and now it's back to stay. So they better bring back my Enchirito and leave it to stay for the rest of my life. Okay, speaking of like seasonal promotional foods, I just heard that they're bringing back the McRib at McDonald's. Yes. but I heard this too. But McDonald's is hinting in their promotional materials that this may be the last time they make McRibs. Well, I'm Mick okay with it. I'm I don't Mick love the not. McRib. It's my favorite thing at McDonald's. It's the best thing. Well, I I don't love the barbecue sauce. Oh, it's not my favorite. It's perfect. And with but the onions, I, those raw onions, and then a couple yeah. of pickles in there. 
Yeah, no, it, like I had one one time and it was pretty tasty. I had another one after that and it was not the greatest. So I don't know, but I'm, I would be pretty sad for you. Yeah, it's not for everyone, but it's for me. And if that really is true. Now, of course, they could just be saying that. So everyone goes and buys a bunch of McRibs and they're like, oh, here's another McRib later yeah, on. Because I know. feel like that used to be a big deal in like the last couple of cycles of them. I don't feel like they sold as many as they thought they should have. So that's probably that's probably I'm gonna hope that that's it that they're just trying to drum up more interest because that would be sad. You know the other seasonal food that has been gone for quite a few years that I'm still very sad about, which is the crispy shrimp taco at Rubio's. Oh, I remember you have many stories of the crispy shrimp taco. Many, and we've told many of those stories in the saga over at Mandarin and Orange Show, but they haven't brought it back. I think it's been like five years now, and maybe four four or five years. How how was not crispy shrimp just like an everyday food item at Rubio's? I don't know. And it's the perfect sauce they put with it and it's just oh, I love it. I do love a shrimp taco, so I'm with you 100%. I'm I'm sad. That's yeah. dumb. I know. I know. See, I'm not a sauce guy though, so I don't like all the weird sauces that everybody puts on everything. When I did get this the crispy shrimp tacos at Rubio's. I had like a specific way that I got it. They put a sauce on I didn't like, but they have a different sauce I like. So I had them take off the one sauce and put on the other and then put it on a flour tortilla. You know, very picky about it. But when it's oh, done yeah. just right, oh, Just makes your heart heart flutter. Makes my heart flutter just like Elise made Paul's heart flutter on tonight's oh. episode of Family Ties. Yay. Wow, that was, that was that some was well uh, gymnastics to get there. Well, you were just like Simone Biles right now. You just went right through that uh, routine. The Simone Biles of transitions in podcasting. <laughs> I'm going to cling to that title. That's good. Yeah, I, I like it. You should. <laughs> Sha-la-la-la. Well, we did have quite an episode tonight, so we should definitely get to it here. So good, though. We start out this episode as... Most episodes in the Keaton kitchen, but instead of most of the Keaton family, we've got Elise and two of her coworkers, which mm-hmm. I thought was really funny. First of all, that the architecture firm that she works at apparently does their business meetings in the Keaton kitchen because why not? <laughs> <laughs> because uh, Elise is in there, her coworker Paul, who's like her work partner, and they he kind of developed this twin tower thing they're going to build that has like a bridge between it. And she's so excited that he's done such a good job. She kind of treats him like a little brother or a kid. She rubs his hair and talks kind of almost baby talk to him, you know. And so they present this. They're talking to Ray, which I feel like I don't know who Ray was. I don't know if he was like their supervisor or another teammate. I didn't quite understand the relationship there. Yeah, he definitely seems like some sort of a superior, like whether that's a supervisor or owner of the company. I mean, there's no telling. He did have a nicer suit. But then there was another guy later on, like Ted, I want to say. So I don't know, like who. I don't know. I was confused about all Maybe of Maybe they're partners. Could be. Maybe they're partners. Could be. Yeah. Ted Ted does uh, the client stuff and uh, Ray does uh, works with the employees. That could be. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'll stick with that story. That's good. right so after just a little bit elise is in there and then elise goes off to take care of something and we're left with a whole scene between paul and ray two characters we've never seen before which was kind of odd like we haven't even seen (laughs) they just leave them in the kitchen (laughs) and we haven't seen the whole rest of the keaton family and all of a sudden we got a paul and ray scene so (laughs) paul and ray are hanging out and we find out paul tells ray that he's in love with elise 
And he's like madly in love with her. He can't stop thinking about her. And I was trying to like remember. So help me out here, Keith. I know we've had Stephen falling for a coworker. I know we've yes. had Elise's like old boyfriend that Stephen was jealous of. Has there been another coworker that was in love with Elise? I don't think so. We had. Did she ever like kind of cheat on Stephen? Or was it just that the old boyfriend? It was the one that they used to live with when they were in that hippie commune. Okay. And Stephen went away, and then she and had a relationship dated. with that other guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that was it then. Don't think she's had any other relationships with coworkers that I, that's coming to my mind. Okay. I, I couldn't remember. I knew there's been a lot of, you know, near hanky-panky going on between everybody, but I couldn't remember who was in love with who. Yeah, well, I mean, they are hippies, so... That's true. It, it's a tangled web. <laughs> <laughs> right? A hundred percent. So, Paul's in love with Elise. He can't stop thinking about her. He wants to take her to Europe. He's just really enthusiastic. We'll get to the guest stars in a little bit, but this uh, co-worker Paul is definitely a actor you might have recognized. I did recognize mm, yes, him. Yes, so we'll, we'll get to that in a bit. Right as he's confessing his love to Ray, Elise walks in and kind of half overhears. He's talking about how he's in love and nothing comes of it, of course, and have sort of an awkward thing. And then Steven comes in. There's an even more awkward interaction between him and Paul. He's like, oh, what's that? I heard that you're in love. And he's like, me in love? I hate love. (laughs) Kind of like stumbles out real quick and awkwardly runs off. So we've got quite a situation here. Meanwhile, the rest of the family comes in, and they've got Andy dressed up in a sailor suit, kind of a real cutesy outfit. Alex is not pleased, but of course, Jennifer and Mallory are, you know, very proud of their little outfit they got for him there. Right. Well, Jennifer says, oh, do you like the outfit I got for him? Like, did she go out and buy clothes for Andy? I guess. I know. That's kind of weird. I mean, she could have, maybe. She doesn't have a job, but she's just like, all right, I'm picking up stuff. Yeah, maybe she gets an allowance, a clothing allowance. I don't know. Interesting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, there's a lot of uh, fashion stuff coming up here, too. So, Oh, so I guess Paul hasn't left yet. It's still awkward, but Paul's still there at this point. I forgot because okay, yeah. they asked Paul to take a picture of the whole family. And so Paul grabs the camera, and it's really interesting. They switch to, like, this thing, which I've never done anything like this before, where there's, like, a frame. Like, it looks like you're looking through the lens of a, of a camera. Uh-huh. And he takes a picture. But instead of taking a picture of the whole family, he, like, zooms over in on Elise. Of course, they don't know this, <laughs> but he's, you know. <laughs> they would know it after they got the yeah, photo developed, though. That's going to that's gonna <laughs> probably give it away there. Not very obvious. But I don't know. I don't know. It was an interesting little camera trick they did there. So that was kind of fun. Yeah, that was. That was fun. So later on, we're in another office, which, uh, you know, I think this was supposed to be the people's office that they were. No, this had to be their office, but the client came to them, I guess, because they stayed in there afterwards. Yeah, so it looks like they were doing the proposal. Yes, proposing it to the, the client. Pitch. Client likes it, and they got the account. They're so excited. Everything is great. And so now Elise and Paul are kind of left alone in there and starts, oh, she's, you know, Paul, I just, I love, love working with you. And she keeps saying all these things that he's kind of misinterpreting as, you know, that she's professing her love for him. And she comes over and like hugs him. And I mean, already it's weird, but then like she kind of does a bunch of like hugging and then she like leaves her arms around his neck and she's like rubbing his shoulders and talking about how much she loves working with him. Definitely giving some weird signals, which I don't think would be, you know, 
smiled upon in today's workplace. <laughs> no, definitely crossed a few lines. She, you know, anyway, explains that she loves working with him and she's concerned that he doesn't want to work with her. And he's like, no, no, I love working with you. And so, (laughs) so they decide they're going to celebrate. He jokingly says you want to go to Europe. But instead, we find ourselves once again in the Keaton's dining room. (laughs) Yes. I think it's the secret dining room. This is only like the second time we've been in the secret dining room, right? Right, yeah, the first time was with Nick first, earlier this same season. First one with Nick. So, this is kind of crazy. Mallory's telling a boring story about class, or at least everyone else thinks it's boring. <laughs> Passing notes and... Something, somebody <laughs> got in trouble and she, like, tattled on her or something. And anyway, Paul's hanging out in there and he's just so awkward. And he's such a great actor. I, it's Peter Scolari, we'll just say it. He's He was really, uh. really funny. All throughout so it. good. Both like physical comedy, a bunch of like real stumbly funny stuff, but also just his comedic timing. Like, I mean, you can see how he played off Tom Hanks and they were like really a good, they were a good pair. Like it wasn't lopsided at all. He's really funny. No, he is so funny. Jennifer invites Paul to come see her baseball game or baseball soccer game. Soccer. Soccer. Game. Some ball with a sport, if I remember correctly. Yeah. <laughs> Some, Some ball with a sport. A sport. Yeah. Some sport with a ball. I can maybe. talk. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, either way. I know how sports work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Should be a touchdown or something, right? Yeah, that's exactly what happens. Well, you do tackle, right? <laughs> uh, not typically, no. In soccer, there's a soccer tackle. No, you throw elbows and stuff, but you don't really tackle them. All right, That's well, maybe rugby. No, my main knowledge about soccer comes from like a video game of soccer, so maybe that's not like actually in the sport, but it's just how video <laughs> games are. Because there's definitely a tackle oh. button in certain soccer games. Yeah, no, that's not typical. Uh, you know, like a lot of times you'll trip them and that kind of stuff, and but there's no tackles. So what you're telling me is that video games are not necessarily a true representation of reality? What was probably made in another country where they were just mm. like, oh, I'm sure this is how you play soccer. I mean, I have not played a ton of soccer games, to be fair, but... You know, old NES ones probably were made in Japan, so. Oh, I bet they took, like, you know, because soccer is huge there. I mean, football is what they call it. Right. And then, but we have our own version of football. And I wonder if they mix the two because they're like, oh, Americans, you know. That could be. We'll just kind of make it something more familiar for them because soccer is not as huge here, is it? Well, especially in the 80s or 90s. It's a good theory. Hmm. Interesting. I'm way out of my depth here. I have no idea what I'm talking about, but. (laughs) <laughs> I like that. Well, there, I like what you're saying. Definitely a sport ball. Yeah, a, a ball with a sport. Yes. <laughs> so Jennifer invites him to see her ball with a sport game. He says, oh, he can't make it. He's got to work late. And she's like, oh, that's too bad. It would be nice if there was a cute guy there. And Alex chimes in. He's like, well, I'm, I'm available. And she's like, that's great, Alex. <laughs> thanks for letting me know. I'm like, yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so back in the kitchen steven's like cleaning up it's his turn to clear the table and paul's in there with him kind of helping out i think steven's like you know i think she has a crush on you and paul thinks he's talking about elise because that's of course what he's focused on but of course steven was referring to jennifer which is also kind of a weird thing to like say to an adult you know my yeah i don't know hey my teenage my daughter has a, really likes you yeah that's that's weird that's a weird thing to say yeah i mean it's one thing if like he's 15 but in this he's supposedly 28 although spoiler alert, he's a little older than that what not a lot but a little bit okay he oh i'll just tell you he's 20 he's 31 and elise is 39 uh meredith baxter so 
They're oh, okay. they're really only eight years apart, as opposed to the twelve years that they implied. That's funny that they actually aged her up for the show. Well, and this is according because her One birthday is in two. June, which means by the time this came out, she wouldn't have been you know she wouldn't have hit forty yet. Probably just for the gag of when he said, you know, oh you're in your forties, and she's like forty, just forty. <laughs> Just 40. <laughs> He's like, well, you know, you could have had a grandkid. She's like, whoa. <laughs> Hold back there, tiger. So uh, a- anyway, back to uh, Stephen and Paul in the kitchen. And Stephen, like, explains that he's talking about Jennifer and not Elise. And Paul's like, oh, um, you know, and he kind of stumbles around. And finally, he tells Stephen, you know, I got to tell you something. I got to get this off my chest. Chugs a bunch of water from a pitcher, sloshes it all over himself, and then tells Stephen that he's in love with Elise. <laughs> Stephen says the best line of the episode for me. This He's like, well, you know, he has him sit down. He's like, let's talk this out. And he's like, you're in love with my wife. I really don't know what to say. I know good luck isn't right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, I wrote that one down uh, and I laughed so hard. So good. Oh. <laughs> so Paul, I, I Paul is just a little bit unhinged. You know, he's tell, going on and on about how obsessed with Elise he is and how he wants to take her to Europe and he's made all these plans of like what time of the year to take her. He wants to go in summer so it's not too cold <laughs> in the Scandinavian countries. And Stephen's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so Steven starts like giving him tips on planning the trip and he's like, no, no, wait, wait, wait. That, no, this is not happening. <laughs> and he, Steven says like, oh, maybe you should just tell Elise, you know, he, he doesn't want to do that. And just it's unresolved. They don't know how this is going to pan out. So next up, we've got Alex watching TV. He's watching CNN with Ronald Reagan on the TV. Talking about the Star Wars defense system, very timely reference there. Yeah. Which was not anything to do with Star Wars, which as a kid, when I heard about the Star Wars stuff, you know, just parents have a newspaper or whatever. I was very disappointed to find out it had nothing to do with Luke Skywalker. So, no. <laughs> that's a shame. <laughs> had a lot more to do with Russians. It did. Yeah. Very disappointing. Or Soviets. Jennifer and Mallory want to watch MTV. Alex rats them out that they haven't finished their homework, so Stephen doesn't let them. And that's just kind of their little little bit of a B story. But I thought that was just an interesting interchange. Incidentally, while I'm mentioning it, CNN launched in 1980 and MTV in 1981. So these were relatively new things. Uh, I didn't realize CNN was that old. I thought that was a newer thing. No, I, my grandparents watched it, so... I remember it being on pretty often, actually. I guess that I just didn't pay attention to anything boring like that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> well, how old were you in 1981? Well, 1981, I was three. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I that could be another good reason why. Yeah, but, you know, even in, in the years later, as it was around, I still wasn't, like, highly aware of it, you know? Well, I mean, when you're 13, 14, 15, that's probably not where you're really yeah. circling. I did know MTV was a thing, though. So, you know, it wasn't, like, completely out of the loop. <laughs> No, <laughs> that one's a little uh, more targeted uh, to somebody at a younger age. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, Elise comes in and Steven, well, she's concerned because Paul called into work. She's going to like try to call him and see what's going on. And Steven's like, no, no, no. I need to tell you about this. And he tells her that Paul fell in love with her. She's like, oh, how do you know? Are you sure? And he's like, well, he said he wants to take you to Europe. And then he said, in the summer, that way it won't be cold in the Scandinavian country. He starts going into that. He's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Elise 
initially <laughs> takes it. She's pretty flattered. He's like, this is bad news, Elise. She's like, oh, I know, I know. But it just feels nice to have someone feel that way about you. You know, not counting you, of course. He's like, please, <laughs> count, count me, me count, count me. me. <laughs> of course, you know, she gets a phone call and finds out that Paul has quit the firm. And she's, like, upset. She's got to stop him. She doesn't want this weird thing between them to stop her from getting to have a good partner, you know, and... and so, of course, it's, you know, nighttime, and this guy's professed his love for her, and she he wants to go off to Europe with her. So she goes by herself in the night to go and talk with him about it, because that seems like a reasonable that's thing. That's what you do. Yeah, exactly. Not with Steven, right. just her by herself. So yeah. he go, she goes into the office, catches him packing up. She tries to talk him out of it, and then she asks him some questions about their project, and he's comes over, brings out the blueprints. She leans across to look at it and he like smells her hair and he just it's like is overwhelmed. He can't take it. So he stands up to explain it. He just so flustered and all over the place. And she's just like, you can't, you can't quit the firm. You can't do this. You know, I, this is not going to work out. And eventually like he gets close enough to her that he actually tries to kiss her. And then she pulls away like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So she doesn't, at least she doesn't do that. Unlike right. Steven with his coworker, Steven. let's not forget. <laughs> so I guess this is her turn. That's why he let her go. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. He's all, hey, do the lighter to get me. So after that incident, you know, Elise, uh, he he leaves and Elise is back, heads back home. We come back to the Keaton kitchen for a little brief interlude with Alex and Mallory and Jennifer. He gives them a check from Aunt Helen for ten dollars. That was written to him, like, when he was 14, I think he said. And Yeah. Isn't he, like, 21 now? Yeah. Which I don't think that check is good anymore. Um, yeah, no. I'm pretty sure. And Alex, being a financial yeah. person, should probably know that. But maybe he did know that. And that's why he gave it to them. Because he knows it's not going to be any good. Oh, that's why the hilarity ensued on that one. That's right. <laughs> so, anyway, that's their last little bit. Paul comes over. And Stephen, once again, leaves the room so Paul and Elise can talk together and they kind of hash it out. Elise assures him that she is happily married and nothing is going to come of this. And she helps him to realize that maybe he's not in love with her, but just in the type of person she is. That's when he's like, yeah, like you're in your forties. I'm 28. Like, and she keeps going on about how old she is. And she doesn't love that. Eventually he realizes that he can, you know, try to work with her and they're going to try to make this work. And uh, I think they have a handshake and then we have a freeze frame. Freeze frame. Yeah, freeze frame on a creepy handshake. That's the episode. Sha-la-la-la! It seems a lot creepier in the telling, but somehow Peter Scolari made it, like, playful and fun. Yeah, he only came across as half creepy. Someone else acting that part, it could have been, like, mega creepy. Now it's just mostly creepy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Wasn't that bonkers, though? He was amazing. So funny. So good. So many good little, like, when he's packing up around the office, just tripping around and picking up stuff. Just his little weird, quirky actions. He's really, really, really funny guy. And they were able to complete their Bosom Buddies checklist. Yes. Both Bosom Buddies (laughs) were now on Family Ties. Yep. One loves Elise and one's related to her. (laughs) (laughs) Sha-la-la-la. We have so much to talk about with our guest stars. I feel like we should just jump straight into that. Let's do it. So we had several credited 
actors and actresses for this episode. And I'm going to go in the order that they're listed on the IMDb page. Okay. Let's not have Peter Scolari first, so we're going to go in the order we've got here. Ugh, you're just teasing us. I, it is, but this is the order it's on IMDb, so. It'll be quick, though, because, well, you'll see. Up first, we have Raymond, Ray, who was uh, in the kitchen at the beginning. And I think that's the last time we saw him. I don't, I don't think we saw him anymore, right? No, I don't think Just so. Just that opening scene. So Raymond is played by an actor named Matthew Faison. He has 135 acting credits. He's done a lot of stuff. But you may or may not have recognized him because this is his second appearance of three on Family Ties. So was he Steven's boss at one point? Okay, well, I'll tell you the episode he's in, and I don't remember for sure what his role was. It's okay. possible he was. He was in the episode called Anti Up. This is the one where their aunt, we've never heard of before, comes and visits, and she winds up dying while she's with them. Oh, yeah. And then they ha- like Alex is doing like a yard sale, and people are all over at the house, and they wind up, like, some of them wind up coming to the funeral. Do you remember that whole thing? Yes, yeah. So... I, he probably showed up for the yard sale. I think so. It just his credit is as Mr. Cromwell, and I couldn't figure out like without going back and rewatching it which person that was. But I don't yeah. think that was Steven's boss. But I could be wrong. I don't remember that him having a boss part in that episode. No, I don't think so either. So I think yeah, he, he would have been like a yard sale uh, attendee. So yeah, mm. so this is his second one, 1985. Then this is 1986, and he's got one more in 1987. So we'll be seeing him once again. Oh, interesting. So because we've already gone through his acting credits, I'm not going to you know rehash all that, especially because that was relatively recently. But I did have a fun little thing here. I just happened to notice as I was scrolling through that he played a judge in quite a few things. And I went through and actually counted while I did the little search function. I didn't scroll through the whole thing and count. But <laughs> through his 135 acting credits, he's played a judge in nine different things he's been a judge nine different times oh wow it's been his yeah so apparently he's got a typecast too he's judge like yeah so there you go that's yeah. a fun fact about him without going through all of his stuff nine right. judge roles so just watch out for the judge that's right up next we have ted waterman who this is the guy who you decided this is the other partner in the firm who deals with the clients and i think that's good yes yeah he's their sales manager yes <laughs> So, Ted Waterman was played by an actor named John Petlock. And this is actually his one, two, three, third appearance on Family Ties. Oh, wow. Out of five. Oh. So, a couple interesting things. First of all, he was in the pilot. He was in the very first episode as Mr. Preston oh, wow. Blanton. He was also in the episode Anti Up. That our last actor was in, but he was the reverend at the funeral. Oh, at the funeral. Okay. Then he is then this one, he's Ted Waterman. Later on in 1986, he's going to be in a different episode, or is another episode as a different character. But then further on in 1986, he comes back again as Ted Waterman. Oh, wow. So he becomes Elise's boss again. Yes. In between being someone else for a little bit. So interesting little. Talk well, about identity crisis. Right. So <laughs> since. Uh, our first actor had done a lot of judge roles. I'm like, huh, I wonder about the others. Well, John Petlock has played judges a judge five different times, including on Days of Our Lives, he was a recurring character for 18 episodes as a judge. Oh, wow. So one of his roles was a longtime judge. Right. So two people who were both in the episode Anti-Up, 
who also played a judge multiple times. Wow. That's kind of a funny coincidence. It is. I don't know if there's anything behind this. It did take me a little while to like stretch and figure out how to connect these all, but I found it. <laughs> Maybe it's because they both look good in uh, three-piece suits. I guess so. I mean, they both kind of have that office kind of you know look to him so that works judgy vibe yeah <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see him again in uh, like i said in a couple more third five all right so then very briefly we had susan alexander who was the client for the firm i believe and she was the one they were presenting to right yeah she's the client yeah and she was the quick sale she was played by enid kent and enid kent this is her one, two, three, four, five. This is her fifth episode of Family Ties. Oh, wow. So we've talked about her quite a bit, starting with uh, Have Gun Will Unravel, Elise the Ark, Lady Sings the Blues. And she was in the episode Ante Up. So Elise Sings the Blues, that was the one when she was at the club and she was doing the folk songs, right? Yeah. And Have Gun Will Unravel. Was that the one where they had the friends and he had a gun and she was like all freaked out about it? I, I think it was. Yes. Yes. Because she was, oh. it was Phyllis Evans was her character that she played. And she was uh-huh. Phyllis Evans for three episodes um, as like their family friend. Oh, interesting. But now she's got done other stuff. And she actually is going to be in one more episode in 1988. So we will see her oh, again, wow. but as okay. a different actor or a different character. Oh, gotcha. Okay. But she was also in the Anti Up episode, which the other two guys were in. So she was probably one of the wives, or she was another attendee, or maybe she was in the funeral. It could have been. It doesn't. It, I mean, she had a different last name than the. Uh, although no, she was Phyllis Evans in that one again, which means okay. she must have been the family friend still. Yeah, because that, that was the character sense. she played in the two first episodes she was in as well. So another one. We're not going to go through all her stuff. Now she never played a judge. But she did play a, a nurse in four different things. Plus, she was a recurring character on MASH as a nurse for 14 episodes. So that would have been before Family Ties then. Absolutely. Yeah, because MASH was, I believe, in the 70s. Yeah, it ended in 1983, but, the you know, started okay. in earlier. I don't know exactly when, but sometime in mid-70s. It ran for a long time, you know. Is that still the most watched season finale of anything ever was MASH? I believe so. Because um, I remember like it was the I Love Lucy for a while, but I think MASH passed it up, right? Yeah. But then like I don't think that's ever going to get passed up again because there's so much choice now. You don't have that high a percentage of people watching the same thing. Yeah. No, I mean, it's one thing if there's only three or four channels going at a time. But, right. you know, you start having, you know, 200, then... You'll yeah. never get numbers like that again. It's way too diluted, yeah. Wow, that's crazy to think that some of those records will never get broken again. Unless we hmm. go back away from the internet somehow. Or if there's like some sort of an alien invasion and it's just on like everything, people will watch that. That's true. Although even then, though, there's going to be multiple channels covering it, though. Yeah, that's true. It wouldn't be one channel either. So unless there's a worldwide alien invasion and only one channel covers it. <laughs> Peter Scolari is up next as Paul... Kenter. This is actually Paul's only appearance on Family Ties. I'll just tell you right up front. We don't get him again. What? I know. It was great while we had him, though. I guess it's good for Steven because, you know, the, the competition there. But, yeah, we do not have any more Paul. Now, of course, what Pierce Scolari is most famous for is Bosom Buddies, at least in, to me. I'm assuming probably most people. Bosom Buddies ran. I don't know. I didn't realize this, though. 
It only ran from 1980 to 1982. They only made 37 episodes. Yeah, it was like a quick show. It did not last long. Like, that's crazy. I, I picture in my mind that, I mean, the Tom Hanks show must have gone on for a long time and was wildly oh, seven successful. Seven or eight seasons. Easy, yeah. Right? Yeah, just 37 episodes. Which is like mm. a season and a half, right? Yeah. Most of the ep- or seasons are like 24, 25 episodes during that time frame. So that's it. I mean, not that much. But I remember watching like reruns of it as a kid. You know, I didn't, I don't think I really got the premise of it, you know, when I was watching it. But I just thought it was funny, yeah. you know, guys running around doing funny voices and stuff. Yeah, they're so, all dressed up like women. Yeah. So I got that they ha- they were living in a building that was a women-only building, and so in order to get in, they had to dress up like women. Yeah, and they had to keep but, that up all along. It's a funny premise. It's a, a yeah. stretch, but that's kind of how high-concept sitcoms <laughs> are, you know? <laughs> yeah. It was Three's Company, but, uh, yeah. you know, in a women's-only environment. Yeah, very much so, like flip side of Three's Company. I wish I definitely didn't get the innuendo in Three's Company when I watched reruns of that as a kid. No, definitely not. I had no but idea. The older you got, then things started to make a little more sense. I just knew there was a character <laughs> named Jack Tripper who also happened to like fall over stuff and was wacky. Always. So, you know. Right? Like, oh, Mr. Roper. Yeah. As a kid, you know, that's that's all I needed. I didn't understand all the other stuff. <laughs> well, in Larry and Creepy Bars, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's times when Heidi and I will go in a bar or whatever, and <laughs> and I look at it, and I'm like, this is totally the Regal Beagle. <laughs> it's pretty dated. It's a little greasy looking. <laughs> the funny thing is, the nearest movie theater to us at Biola, you know, the college that Janelle and I went to, yeah. was a Regal Theater, and we always called it the Regal Beagle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Janelle nicknamed it that, to be fair, but I quickly joined in on that because I thought that was pretty great. Oh, that's awesome. All our college movies we saw at the Regal Beagle. <laughs> I wonder, like, why they called it the Regal Beagle. Like, was there a picture of a beagle with a crown or something? And I just don't remember that. I don't or? know. Or just because it rhymes. Had to be. Good old Larry. Peter Scolari, he's had 109 acting credits. Quite a few things. He did a lot of TV shows, things like Diagnosis, Murder, Remington Steel, etc., etc. He was on a TV show called Nurses. He didn't play a lot of nurses, but he did play Doctor five different times. Oh, okay. So there's his connection uh, with our interesting trends of the night. It's five, nine, or 14. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Now, he also, this is just an interesting <laughs> little tidbit here. He was in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV show, which I didn't even realize was a thing. And he played Wayne Zielinski on the entire run of the TV show for 66 episodes. And that's like, you know, the the Rick Moranis part. But he was that on the TV show. Yeah, I remember I that. I did not know that was even a thing. It was on Disney Channel. Yes, it looks like that. Like in 2000 in. 2001, I think. Yeah, because that was, I think, when Rick Moranis went on his, like, hiatus where he disappeared from yeah, acting. Yeah, he's done. Just a little couple of quick appearances, voice acting mostly from here, from then, but not much. Yeah, well, he's kind of making a comeback now because I guess all the kids are older and in college or whatnot. And so he feels like it's his wife passed away, right? And so that's when yeah. he decided that he, it was up to him to raise the Put the his kids. family first. And he had Honey, I Shrunk uh, the Kids money, so he didn't need it. Yeah, well, I mean, he also had Ghostbusters money. Well, yes, but from my understanding of it, although he you know, paid to be in Ghostbusters, he actually had producing <laughs> credit or something along those lines. So he actually got like a percentage on Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. 
which was like a huge success, you know? Yeah. I can't remember if it was producing or writing or something along those lines. That would make more sense. And maybe it had something to do with the the Disney uh, Disneyland show, Honey, I Shrunk the the Audience. Well, yeah, because all of the spinoffs, all of the sequels and everything, I'm pretty sure he got like a small piece of that, which means... He basically didn't need to work anymore, you know? So Peter Scolari made him money. I believe that is true. Mm. From my understanding. Well played, sir. And one final thing to mention on Peter Scolari is that I I always love that he gets a cool little cameo in uh, That Thing You Do, the great movie that Tom Hanks did. You know, he produced it and I think maybe directed it. Of course, has a small role in it as well. And then Peter Scolari gets a little cameo. So it's like a little Bosom Buddies reunion. I never saw it. That's not going to surprise you. You never saw That Thing You Do? No. Oh my gosh, I also just found out tonight, you guys, right before the show, that Keith has never seen Psycho, the Alfred Hitchcock movie, and I just... Yeah, I think the... I don't understand. The only one I've ever seen is The Birds. I mean, The Birds is great. That's probably, like, almost tied with my top, but Psycho is, like, it's a it's a perfect... I mean, it's perfect. You have to see it. I will. It's on my list now. I've added it to my list with uh, Fletch, Fletch Lives, and Caddyshack 1 and 2. Yeah. <laughs> now that thing you do, apparently. All right. I'm going to add it. It's a great music movie. It's like a, a really, really funny. It's got Tom Hanks. It's also a good friend of ours, Kevin, that we went to college with, who was in like our you know film classes and stuff, has... Uh, cameo is not the right word. He was like a, a featured extra, I believe is what you call it. He does like some dancing in some of the scenes and has some close-up shots of him and stuff. I don't, I don't even think he had a line, but, you know, he's definitely in it. And so uh, oh, wow. we all okay. went to go see it in the theater at college and we're like, oh, it's Kevin, you know. How fun. Pretty, pretty cool. It's a really good movie. Isn't it true that Peter Scolari has also passed away now? Yeah, I think in and like 2020. Recently, like yeah. this year. Okay. Maybe 2021. That would make sense. It's, it's pretty recent, so... But if you want to see a little reunion, that thing you do. Well, it's on my list. That's all for our guest stars tonight. Good little good little run of stuff. And man, it was really fun having Peter Scolari on. It was. He was so good. I mean, I wish there would have been more scenes between him and Alex. Because I feel like they both have that kind of, that frantic energy, you know, that uh, where they just, they're going so fast and they're doing so much physical comedy the whole time and. They would have just bounced right off of yeah. each other. Oh, they, they absolutely. It was very little of most of the family. In fact, even Elise, everyone had a smaller role because we had so much more of the firm, you know? <laughs> there was so much Ray and Paul at uh, the, the first Ray half of the Paul show. Ray and Paul really <laughs> took up all the, all the screen time. <laughs> Sha la la la! So there's a couple of uh, kind of funny innuendos that I was surprised by, but also, you know, of course, this is the episode both of my girls decided they wanted to sit through and watch the of entire course, episode. Of course, of course. There's one point when uh, Elise is hugging Paul, and she's like, oh, this is so exciting. And he goes, more than you know. <laughs> <laughs> but he was so deadpan about it. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> I Hopefully that went over their heads, you know, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it did because the part when Alex is watching uh, President Reagan's speech and he's like, oh, you know, I bet you feel a little silly not voting for him now, don't you, Dad? <laughs> Stephen's like, yeah, terrible, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> of course, the Europe stuff was really, really funny. And the Scandinavian countries, I was I was really glad to know that uh, he was really taking that into consideration. 
And then the last thing I wrote down is when Paul is talking to Elise and he's telling her about, you know, how they've worked together for so long and eight hours a day and five days a week and for so many years now and that it's hard, you know, not to have fallen in love with her. And they've danced together and Elise goes, wait, we've never danced together. And he goes, well, sometimes you go get coffee and I dance. (laughs) (laughs) And that just struck me as really funny, like. You know, a grown man, you know, she walks out to go get a cup of coffee and he starts twirling around the office. <laughs> Again, in any other actor's hands, it could have been even more creepy, but he made it somehow kind of funny and cute. No, it was definitely funny, but uh, it was still a little creepy, but it was yep. perfect. It was Family Ties perfect. Sha-la-la-la. Well, I have a couple of observations that I did want to go over really quickly Ooh. here. Yes. We talked already about some pop culture references they made, but a couple of things I noticed. One, when Alex comes in to give them the $10 check from Aunt Helen, first of all, the check itself, I feel like that looked like construction paper or something. Like, it did not look like the right kind of paper for a check. No, and it was big, like a business check, too. Yeah, which I I mean, I realize they can be different sizes, but even a business check isn't that thick. No, and it was kind of a weird yellowy color, and it's almost like uh, the prop person just said, oh, hey, this was his ticket last week, and (laughs) it's going to be a check this week. Here's a rectangle (laughs) of paper. Go (laughs) knock yourself out. (laughs) (laughs) Try not to get too close to the camera with it. (laughs) They spent all their money on the clothing that they wore during the dinner, and then also on rebuilding the office set. Well, okay, so then one other thing that I noticed at that part, after he gives them the check, they, and they leave the room, they leave on the table a peachy folder. Do you remember peachy folders? Oh, yeah, 100%. Like everybody had them, at least, you know, when I was in school in the 80s and early 90s, like, everyone used it. It's kind of like a orangish, beige-ish kind of color, and it's got, like, I think, like, sports figures like kind of in silhouette basketball was huge and football it would just be like kind of like not like anybody who was actually playing at the time but just kind of like two guys who had a basketball and another guy who was throwing a football like a 10 i'm pretty sure tennis was one of the featured sports totally everyone had them i remember specifically asking my parents if i could get one that and a trapper keeper to put it in you know because of course Oh, yeah. I had a number of, well, had. You'll be shocked to know I have a couple trapper keepers in a box in the garage with all my vans (laughs) and Quicksilver stickers on it and stuff. Oh, sure. That doesn't surprise me at all. And I asked my parents to take me down to the paperclip, which was our local stationery store in Big Bear, which I don't think is there anymore. And we got some peaches. Now, to me, like, I felt like those were an invention of the 80s and were popular into the early 90s. But apparently, peachy folders, just in that exact way that they look, started out in 1943. I was just going to say, I thought it would have been the 60s. Easy, just because the way that uh, the sports figures were on there. I mean, they were wearing like a tire from like the 60s. I'm sure that the design was modified some, but like the older pictures I saw look more or less the same type of thing all the way back from the 40s. And... They're wow. still available today. Really? I think they like went out of production for a while. And I think a different company might make them now, but you can like I think walmart.com had them. Interesting. I remember like in high school like the last couple of years I went, the big thing was is they weren't just that orangey yellowy color. You could get them in like neon green, Ooh, yeah. neon pink. I I didn't because those were more expensive and so my <laughs> mom was like, "No, you're getting the regular because those are like, you know, 14 cents a piece." <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Yeah. And I think we went to T 
TG and Y to get ours, so we didn't have the paper clip or whatever. <laughs> I don't think it was a chain. I think that was just like the local Mr. Clip and his family that opened it up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then he transitioned from having that store to being like on a Word document in the 90s and yep. early 2000s. Yep. Yeah, he, he went on to, to great success and then eventual really fell off and oh, kind of yeah. became a hated figure at a certain point. So <laughs> yeah, now he's just after a joke. The, <laughs> after the Millennium Edition. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mr. Paperclip. <laughs> 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 That's terrible. That's and hilarious all at the same time. Sha-la-la-la. So I actually had a couple observations myself. One of them was when Alex is talking about the Dutch in reference to Ronald Reagan. I'd never heard that before. I'd always heard of him being called like the Gipper, the Gipper or something right. like that. But the Dutch was the nickname he got from his dad because he looked like a fat little Dutch boy. Huh. Did you know that? I did not. I didn't even catch that. Yeah. I'm in the National Archives, and that's what his father used to call him, huh. a fat little Dutchman, as a toddler. And it got reinforced as he got older because his mom cut his hair and parted it down the middle. And so he looked apparently like a little Dutch boy. Well, of course, Alex would know his childhood nickname, you know. Well, of course. I mean, that makes perfect sense for Alex. So also, I thought, well... You know, I don't remember that speech being done in like 86. I thought it was earlier and I was right. The speech was actually given on March 23rd of 1983. So Alex went back in time to watch that on CNN. Maybe he was just watching reruns, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Still relatively early in CNN. Maybe they didn't have like enough programming to keep it going 24-7. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't think they went 24 hours a day back then either. I mean, there was just no way. The world was too small to get that kind of news that would fill it up all day. But I thought that was interesting. Wow. I just like, I didn't even think of that. That's, that was a good catch. And then the last thing I I wanted to mention is what in the world were they all wearing at dinner when (laughs) uh, Paul and Elise were celebrating? It was like a purple extravaganza and Elise missed it. So then she had to wear it later when she had to go talk to Paul at the firm. That's so funny. I didn't even notice any of that. I'm, it was totally fashion blind. Oh my gosh. Alex is wearing a purple shirt, but then he's also wearing a purple like knit sweater looking thing. And it was really kind of weird looking. Like it looked like they didn't buy it. Somebody had made it, like knitted it kind of thing. Cause it was a real loose, like knitting. Right. Right. I don't know like all the technical terms, but, yeah, and then Jennifer right. was wearing like a pink dress with a purple cover up kind of thing. That was like a long shirt. That was kind of weird. <laughs> Steven had a purple shirt on with his pants. I don't know if they were denim or whatever, but, and then Elise later on in that same episode wore that big purple dress. And I was like, oh, well, today's episode is brought to you by the color color purple. purple. (laughs) (laughs) How funny. I think I was so focused on the cringe in the room. I didn't even notice the colors. Oh, the cringe was outstanding, but I was just like, wait, what's up with Alex's sweater? I kind of zoomed in on it, and then I saw Jennifer's outfit, and I'm like, wait, wait, what? That's bright purple. So, But it was over pink, so it was kind of weird. I will go back and check out the weird outfits, because I need to. Oh. I can't believe I missed it. It was a little bit creepy. It was like, okay, apparently Paul didn't get the memo. And then Paul's clothes were like four sizes too big for him. And I'm like, oh, that's the 90s. Like, he was way ahead of the time. Well, I did notice that. that His shirt, the way it was like kind of tucked in, it was puffed out. It looked like a pirate shirt. Like in the Seinfeld episode where he has to wear the pirate shirt. (laughs) 
it reminded <laughs> yes. me of that, where it just kind of was like <laughs> flopping all over the place. I don't know what he was going for there, but it's pirate. Yeah. I don't want to be a pirate. <laughs> I don't want to be a pirate. <laughs> Sha-la-la-la. I do have a moral. This is probably one of the hardest morals I've ever had to come up with. Okay. Like, I had a heck of a time with it. And, uh, you know, the first thing that came to my mind was, don't go chasing waterfalls. Stick to the <laughs> rivers and the lakes that you're used to. So, <laughs> I couldn't get away from that for a little while. That's so, great. That's great. Eventually, I came up with, it's easy to fall in love with the ideal of someone. Because he got the best of Elise all the time. He didn't have to, like... Do the day in, day out, like when she wasn't at her best. Yeah. You know, maybe she's angry with the kids. She doesn't have, you know, breath that's worthy of being at the <laughs> office kind of a thing. Yeah. So when you work closely with somebody, I think it's easy to kind of fall in love with the ideal. And I think that was, that's kind of why she was able to talk him out of it there at the very end of the episode. I think, I think it's good. Not concise. Much better than, I mine were a little more like on the nose. And I had a two-parter. The first one Ooh, is okay. if you are married and you have a coworker that is potentially, you know, attracted to you, don't do extended hugs and back rubs and uh, long lingering glances and expect them not to feel something about it. <laughs> yeah. Because I think in this case, Elise probably could have helped the situation beforehand by not doing those things. Yeah, maybe stop touching his hair every yeah. four seconds. Rubbing his shoulders. And I was just thinking, like, you know, if that was two guys in there in the 80s, they would never have been, like, rubbing each other's shoulders as coworkers, you know? like <laughs> So, obviously, that wasn't an appropriate response that she was doing there. No. On the other hand, my moral that I got from Paul was, like, if you have a crush on someone, maybe that's not appropriate or whatever, you know, because they're married or, or whatnot, Keep your mouth shut, man. You didn't have to say all that stuff. <laughs> all of this entire right? episode would have been avoided if you just, like, shut up about it. <laughs> <laughs> right? If you just said, hey, I'm going to keep this professional. Yeah. Huh. I'm really attracted to her. Guess I'm not going to tell anyone because she's married. The end. <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe I'll look for somebody my own age, not somebody who could be a grandma. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Simple. But well said. To the point, yeah. Well... I think that's going to bring this episode to a close. It was a lot of fun, very interesting, and a great performance from Peter Scolari. Whether it was weird and creepy or not, man, he was fun to watch. Quite an episode, and uh, it's been pretty great having all of our wonderful listeners along with us. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Keith, if one of our listeners wanted to get in touch with us, how would they do so? Oh, they should just text us. If they don't have our phone numbers, which some of them might not, Oh, okay. So, oh, then they should email us at alexpkeatonismyfriend at gmail.com. Or they can find us on Facebook at alexpkeatonismyfriend. And then they could also join our group, Friend of Alex P. Keaton is My Friend, on Facebook. Beautiful. Yes. Please do that, I'm folks. getting better. No, that's great. I mean, you, you <laughs> said it all. I don't even need to add to it. <laughs> Everyone, please, you know, get in touch with us. Let us know what we thought of. Peter Scolari, and uh, what you thought of their purple outfits, because did you notice that? I didn't even notice that. Oh, they were purpley. I had a purple sweater when I was in high school. It was a hyper color, so it would turn like another color when it got wet. Oh, yeah, those were cool. Yeah, they were so cool. We have a, a good friend of ours, Jeff, who I've probably at least mentioned on Mandarin Orange Show. He was my roommate for a while, like after college, and also was, we found out, he knew, but we weren't aware until this incident happened, like completely colorblind one day he was like 
going around the house. Like, Janelle was over visiting. It's before we were married, you know. He's going around our apartment. And he's like, hey, have you guys seen my uh, my brown sweater? And we're like, no. I, what brown sweater? He's like, I wear it, like, all the time, you know. Like, that that brown sweater that I, I you know, it's got, like, the collar thing or whatever. And we're like, do you mean that purple sweater you wear all the time? And he's like, no, 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 no. It's brown. Like, a kind of a dark brown. We're like, dude, you don't have a brown sweater. Like, you mean this sweater? Oh, there it is. Dude, this is purple. What are you thinking? Like, no, it's not. It's brown. <laughs> so maybe my theory here is that perhaps the Keatons were all colorblind. Oh, maybe. Mm. Maybe. And they all and they thought were they were like, wearing oh, brown, like a muted color for the <laughs> evening, you know? Yes. Okay. With their uh, dinner jackets and evening wear. Yeah. <laughs> it's a theory. No, I like it. It's a working theory. And then when you uh, go back and rewatch that part, you tell me what you think. Okay. Okay. That's good. Keep an eye out. Although you're a little colorblind too, aren't you? It's funny. Like I definitely am not like Jeff colorblind, but my family is convinced that I have like an alternate color pattern or or color palette that I see. Because when we Mm -hmm. compare notes, I definitely see colors differently than they do. So it's interesting. (laughs) There, I was like, you know, I'm like, oh, we're like, we're playing a game, like a video game. I'm like, oh, go over there, that pink door. And they're like, there is no pink door. I'm like, it's right over there. And they're like, that's orange. I'm like, no, 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 that's pink. You know, so it's not like completely like off. It's just like tweaked a little bit. Like I have just like, I'll see a, a red is a purple or whatever. It's just a little bit off, you know. Huh. Maybe you're seeing the color breakdown that makes the original color. It, it so must like be pink, something. It's like, oh, a little orange and a little, you know, white or whatever yeah. to make pink. Well, and, and definitely like a shade that's in between. Like if it's a blue-green and it's like way more blue than green or I'll see it green and not blue. It's, I, it's never like the same. <laughs> that's going to be fun to play uh, games with you on that kind of stuff. Well, there are certain games that it definitely, uh, you know, makes me at a disadvantage for. <laughs> like that Hughes and Hughes game. We were just talking about this on Mandarin and Orange Show, but there's a game I got where basically you have to try to like guide someone to a color by saying a color that it matches. And then they have to guess like on this little color palette where the color you're talking about is. I'm terrible at it because I don't, nobody like, I'll be like, okay, banana. And then everyone puts it like way off in this like brown area. I'm like, no, 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 like banana. And then they're like, that's, and I'll point to the color and they're like, that's not, that doesn't look like a banana at all. So it's not good for me. I'm not good at that game. <laughs> They'll fight to not be your partner on yeah, that game. Exactly. <laughs> well, anyway, I don't know how we got off on all this stuff, but I do know that we had a great time doing the show tonight. So thank you, Keith, as always, for being my wonderful co-host. Well, thank you very much. It was my pleasure. It was a fantastic night, and we will see you guys all next time on another very special episode of Alex B. Keaton is My Friend. What would we do, baby, without us? What would we do, baby, without us? And there ain't no nothing we can love each other through. What would we do, baby, without...